Welcome to the Power Hour. Uh, we believe that the power is in the Word. I believe that. And I believe that if it's not in the Word, it doesn't need to be heard. And so I want to welcome you, and I'm happy that you're right here with us. You could have been in many other places, different kind of worships, but you're right here. We appreciate you, and I believe that God is going to give you a blessing. God is going to bless you because every time God's word is heard, there is a blessing. So we're in this series called End Game. End Game. You see, a lot of people are worried right now. Thinking about the future. Thinking about things that are going on. Thinking about finances. Thinking about health. Thinking about the pandemic. Different things are worrying people right here, right now. And sometimes the question is... What is the end game? How is it all going to end? People have asked me, Pastor, please tell us about prophecy and uh, the 666 and all this other stuff. And I'm like, that stuff is good. But I think what is important for us to uncover is what is God's end game for your life? And so I've been trying to help you to understand that God has an end game for you. You are not an afterthought. God planned your life and God is going to help you out. So in the first sermon, we understood that from the cradle to the grave, we are carried. Last week, I helped you understand that when God declares something, he directs it into existence. And what I want to do today is to continue the series, but I want now to challenge you now to respond to what God is trying to do for your life. And so I want to pick up our reading text from John. I mean, not John. I'll preach from John at another time. But Job chapter 19 verses 20 to 27. That is our scripture text uh, for today, and I believe that it's always in the word where we find power. So I want to begin reading in verse number 20, and I, I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Bible says Job is speaking right here. And by the way, just to give you context, he is responding to his friend's assessment of his situation. His friends have made an assessment about him and he is replying back to them. That is what is going on in this particular passage. My bone clings to my skin and to my flesh. I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. And sometimes it is like that by the skin of your teeth, barely surviving barely surviving verse 21 says have pity on me have pity on me he says again oh my friends sometimes we need sympathy empathy for the hand of god has struck me why do you persecute me as god does and are not satisfied with my flesh oh that my words were written oh that they were inscribed in a book that they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. I love this part. For I know that my Redeemer lives. I hope you know that too. And he shall stand at last on the earth. Allow me just to read this verse one more time because it's so beautiful. For I know, I am convinced. There's one thing I'm certain about. One thing I'm convinced about is that my Redeemer lives. That is the title for today's sermon, Convinced. And he shall stand at last on the earth. 
And after my skin is destroyed, this I know. I'm convinced of this. That in my flesh, in my physical body, I shall see God. I almost want to start preaching right now. Whom I shall see, verse 27, for myself. And my eyes shall behold and not another how my heart yearns within me. Convinced. Convinced. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. Our Father. Help us Lord to be convinced today. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. I want to invite, invite my friend Putra for a second. He's going to help me to do something uh, as we get into, into this sermon. Uh, yes, Putra. Come, come on in. Come on in. Don't be afraid. Say amen for Putra. I'm happy that this young brother is here helping me out. Thank you, Putra. And I just want you to hold the mic for a second. All right? For sure. Right here. So I have this pen that I utilize for writing notes when i'm working when i'm studying i utilize this pen and the other day it ran out of ink so what i did is because this is a, a pen was a gift from a friend you can actually replace the ink in this pen so what i did is i unscrewed the pen and after unscrewing the pen i took out the expired ink or the finished ink and then threw that away. And then I put another, this one, I put this new ink inside the pen. And then I screwed the, the tip of the, the pen. And my pen was like this. The tip was out. At first I wrote, but then when I tried to hide the tip of the, the pen, the tip of the pen, it could not go back and forth. So it was stuck. So I was confused. I was confused. I was confused about the situation because I said, I have the right ink. I have the right pen. In fact, I have the, the right shaft. But why is it not operating or working properly? Uh, you know, sometimes in life, you do the right things. You have the right job. You have the right family. You have the right church. You have the right religion. You have the right diet. You have the right regiment. But yet things are not working out. You are confused about your situation. You don't understand what is happening. You, you don't know what's going on. You're confused about it. And the more you try to discover and to figure out what's, what's going on, the more there is confusion. And so I was in a state of confusion, not figuring out or confused about why my pen is not functioning as it should. So I looked at the pen again and I un unscrewed the, the tip of the pen and and I, I, I opened it and I pulled out the ink only to discover that there was this little black piece. And as long as this little black piece was there inside the pen, inside the shaft, my pen was not going to function 
appropriately or properly. And until I removed this little black thing, that's the only time that my pen was not functioning as it was supposed to function. And so let me show you how when I removed that little black piece, it was functioning properly again. And I could now do what I normally I'm supposed to do with the pen. And that is when I write, I click and I write. And after I finish writing, I click and I hide the tip of the pen and it was not functioning properly. Please watch this. This little button, this little button right here is God in our life. And as long as we have that little black piece in our life, as long as there is that confusion, as long as we don't understand about how God is supposed to operate in our life, our lives, no matter how many right things we have, cannot function properly because God cannot have control in our lives. And so I'm here to propose to you that there are some confusions in our life that that little black piece is like confusion that I believe needs to go. And the only way that it will go is when you are convinced about certain things about God in your life. Putra, you can go sit down, my brother. I appreciate it. And so we have Job in, in this particular passage. He is confused. He doesn't understand what is going on with his life. Now, according to uh, some reading that I was doing, confusion is described as a symptom that makes you feel as if you cannot think clearly. That is, you cannot process information as you're supposed to process information. You don't know what to do. And if confusion persists, it becomes what people call delirium. You are in this state of not knowing what to do. And if that delirium persists, it transforms into dementia. And that is a, a problem. That is a, a mental problem. Now, many things can cause confusion in our lives. Uh, sometimes the causes of confusion can be physical. Uh, for example, things like trauma, depression, dehydration, and infection, they can cause confusion. Uh, sometimes, though, confusion comes outside of us. And sometimes confusion is coming because of the situation around us. And particularly sometimes it is the people around us that bring us confusion. Some people around us will, fly, will fan the flame of confusion. And that is what is happening to Job's particular situation. Is that his friends are fanning confusion in his life. Because they have assessed that Job's pain is because of his sin. They have assessed that the reason Job is in trouble is because he is in trouble with God. They are saying to Job, Job, and listen to this particular text. This is one of Job's friends speaking to him about his own situation. This is what they say to Job. Job, stop and think about this. 
Do the innocent die? They are saying to Job, Job, if you were innocent, if you were not guilty, you would not die. In fact, any, any person that dies is not innocent before God. They are sinful before God. Now you and me know better because we know that good and bad happen. I mean, we, we know that bad happens to good people. You and me know that that young brother got in his car. He was going to school and he was trying to better himself. He was trying to, to set himself up in his future. But some drunk driver was driving crazy on the road, hit him, and he died on the spot. Nothing that that young boy did should have caused him to die that way. But that's how it is sometimes that you have done nothing wrong. But yet everything goes wrong. And here Job, his friends are telling him, Job, you are in pain because of your sin. You are in trouble because of your sin. You are in difficulty because of your sin. You are in adversity because of your sin. Things are not right because of your sin. There are clouds in your life because of your sin. What a bad thing to say to somebody. Can you imagine somebody coming to you, you are sick and you are just in need of somebody to give you a word of encouragement and they tell you, you are so bad, you are so sinful, that is why you have cancer. And that is why you have heart disease. That is why you have diabetes. That is why you have this infection because you are such a bad sinner. Now, I do not want to be so hard on Job's friends because many of us have terrible theology when it comes to how we look at God. Some of our ideas about God, they need to be thrown in the trash because they are just plain wrong. And here his brother his friends they have wrong ideas about God and therefore because they have wrong ideas about God they are judging Job's situation from their wrong theology your pain is the cause of your sin now, now, now Job is listening to his friend's assessment over his pain. And he tells his friends twice, have pity on me. Have pity on me, my friends. And he, he, he knows that these are his friends because he is emphatic. He owns them. He says, my friends, have pity on me and sometimes that's what we need from people. We need them to show us sympathy. But instead of his friends being empathetic towards Job, they're making him feel like he is pathetic. And what a sad situation when people around you do not make you feel good about you, but they make you feel pathetic. They make you feel like you are no good. And Job is trying to help them to understand that, look, if the roles were reversed, how would you want me to treat you? How would you or me to react to your situation? Because his friends have taken a false sense of elevation. Job wants them to understand, you are as human as I am. 
You are just like me. If you are going through my situation, you will want me to show you pity. And that is what we need to understand when we're looking at people's struggles and, and, and challenges. That if we are simply in their shoes, if we're sitting in their seat, if we are, if we are, if we are putting on their, their jacket, we will realize that they are going through a difficult situation. And that is why you should never judge your friends struggle somebody's struggle from your eyes you need to be able to change location from your place of comfort from your place of non-difficulty and you need to put your play yourself in their shoes of difficulty in their struggle of difficulty because you might just realize that it is that bad so job says have pity on me and, and Job is not satisfied because he wants them to understand. Look, God is already putting me through a difficult situation. It so happens uh, in those times, Sister Selvi, that people believed that when they were in pain, God was the one causing it. And so in this particular passage, Job understands that God is involved in his struggle and in his situation. And I'm here to tell you that whatever is happening to you, Whatever challenges you're facing, God is 100% aware of that. They believed that when they were in pain, God was the one inflicting the pain. You see, for us, we de demarcate and we, we try to separate our religion from our life. We, we try to compartmentalize. But in Job's time, they looked at everything as coming from the hand of God. If they had a baby, God gave them the baby. If the baby died, God took the baby. If they got a job, God gave the baby. If, if, if uh, God gave the job. If they lost the job, God took the job. If somebody died, God took that particular person. And so here Job is saying, I know that God is putting me through certain paces. But I don't need you to act like God in my life. I don't need you to act like you are better than me. Because by you acting that way, you are making me confused. I am not understanding precisely what I'm going through. And that's what I need you to understand. That is why you should not be quick to speak into people's situation. You need to listen first because when you're quick to speak, you become God for them. It's as if you know better. It's as if you understand so well that you can make an assessment. But it might just happen that you are playing wrong. And so Job says, uh-uh, let's stop this. You're confusing me. And I don't like this. And Job says, if only... Because Job had been arguing with his three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad. He was, uh, I forget the, the, the other brother's name. But he had been arguing with them, telling them, look... Because they were saying, Job, listen, um, uh, I know you have been helpful to people. I know you have been, you've been good. You've helped the needy. You have helped the poor. You know what I mean? You gave advice to people that didn't know what to do. You did that for sure. 
right? And Job has been going back and forth, but now he comes to the place, he's saying to himself, I am tired of the confusion you're bringing in my life. I don't like the ideas that you're bringing into my, my mind. I am being, I'm more conf confused by that. And so he says, if only my arguments could be written in a book, if only what I feel could be written down, it would be shown that I'm actually have the right argumentation because yes, while God might be putting me through paces, while God might be bringing things in my life, but I don't think that my pain is the call is caused by my sin. I don't think that I am that bad that God is making me go through this situation. And I need you to hear this carefully. And I want to help somebody right here. When you're going through a bad situation, it does not mean that you are such a bad sinner. It does not mean God is repaying you for the sin that you did last year. It does not mean that God has stuff over you. It simply means that there's something else that you need to understand. And so Job is saying, wait a minute, I got to stand up for myself. I got to let my brothers know that it is not like that. And so Job declares himself. He, he, he declares his conviction. He, he, he moves from confusion uh, to conviction. He, he says it like this, Elder Ray, for, for, for I know. For I know that my Redeemer lives. For I know that my Redeemer lives. I am convinced that my Redeemer lives. Now, now I, I find this fabulous because from a place of confusion, Job says, nah, 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 nah. I'm going to go to the place of conviction. My friends have been shaking me up and they have almost made me forget what I have been convinced about all along. <laughs> this is beautiful. He says, I know. There is no doubt in my mind, a hundred percent certainty that God exists, that my Redeemer lives. Job puts it like this, and I want to throw it to you like this. You, you must be convinced of who God is when you're confused about what's going on. Mm, 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 mm. Literally, you should have given an amen for that one. <laughs> You must be convinced of who God is when you're confused about what's going on. Job is saying, I don't understand your theology. I don't understand what is going on. But one thing I'm convinced about is God exists. I'm convinced about that, though I'm confused about what's going on. Brother and sister, I'm here to declare to you that when you do not know what's happening, when you do not understand it, you must not be swayed by that which you don't understand. You must stick to that which you're convinced about. And so Job is saying, because of the experience I've had with God, because of how I know him, I will not allow this moment of darkness to take away my light. I will not allow the clouds to take away the sunshine. I won't allow the fact that bills are so tight to make me doubt God's ability to provide. I want, I want doubt God's ability to heal me just because I'm sick. I won't doubt that God is going to take care of my family just because I'm away from them. I will not doubt God's ability 
In my moment of confusion, I will stick to God. I will follow him. I will allow him to direct me forward. Because there is one thing I know. That he has been with me all along. And he is not going to let me go right here, right now. So Job says, I'm convinced that my redeemer lives. I don't know why I'm going through pain. I don't understand it. And you may not understand it. You may not understand why you can't sleep at night and you're always stressed. You may not understand why she or he cheated. You may not understand why he or she walked out on you. You may not understand why the pandemic has been so hard on you. You may be confused. You may not understand why your prayers are not being answered. But do not trade in what you're confused about for what you're convinced of. Do not trade in certainty for uncertainty. But rather allow your certainty to be your direction in your season of uncertainty. So you need to be convinced of the fact that there is the Redeemer. You see, when you are struggling with bills... And you know that a check is coming at the end of the month. The check is the Redeemer. When you are thirsty and you want to get something to drink and you see a family mart. And you go to a family mart and drink uh, aqua or whatever else you like to drink. That family mart is your Redeemer. When you are being beaten by the sun and almost being cooked, turning dark like me. But you want shade and you see a tree, you must know that that tree is your redeemer. You see, a redeemer is someone or something which provides a solution for the struggle. Mm, mm, mm. That's getting good right there. So, so Job would not turn his attention to his friends. He would not turn his attention to the people bringing him struggle. But Job decided to, to, he decided to invade heaven from an earthly perspective. <laughs> he decided, he decided that I'm not gonna live as if I live on earth. I'm gonna live as if I'm living up there because I know that God has a solution for my struggle i know that god is able in my trouble i know that god is going to take me away from the waves into calm and therefore i know that my redeemer lives and i hope you understand as well that god is your redeemer i love how the writer of isaiah puts it god speaking right here god says fear not Fear not, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I'm here to declare to you that God is your Redeemer. He is your helper. And when you do not understand it, when you're confused, what you need to do is to invade heaven from earth. You need to turn your eyes up and say, God, 
I don't know, but one thing I do know is that you live. Because the truth of the matter is this. Some of us, we are living half lives. Sometimes we are half happy and sometimes we are half sad. Sometimes we are half joyful and sometimes we are half depressed. We are in between half lives. One time we are high, one time we are low. You know why? Because we are often grounded by fear. Because we're often grounded by confusion and dismay. Because we, we are overtaken by anxiety. We are lost in our situation. We don't look to God and therefore we are often lost. But I'm here to tell you, break out from your cycle of fear and anxiety. Stop living a half life and stop, start living a full life. That is God, I would not fear because you are my redeemer. You are the solver of my problems. I will not trust what man will say. I will not trust my business plan. I will not trust my bank account. I will not trust what I eat. I will trust you. I will go with you. I will follow you. And wherever I go with you, I will be all right. I will not fear. Let's stop being afraid. Let's not be fearful. The pandemic is real, but you cannot allow it to dominate your life. Yes, you are, you are, you are not healthy, but you cannot allow that to dominate your life. You must figure out that you do not live because of what you can do. You do not live because of your capability. You live because what God is able to do for you. In him, one writer says, is a life original and underived. God truly is your redeemer. And what we need to do this morning is to embrace him. And we need to be convinced of that fact if we are to be okay in this season of difficulty. The word, when Job says, my redeemer, Putra, it's it's very emphatic in the original language. He, he, Job says, my, my goali, my, my, my redeemer, the one who, who protects me, the one who takes care of me. In fact, this redeemer was understood to be somebody who was fighting and fending for the family. If somebody hurt the family, this goali would be the person to step in for them. If somebody was killed by accident, it would be this Gowali to step in for them. If somebody died and they needed their property to be taken care of, to ensure that the property was given to the family, this Gowali will stand in for them. And so this Gowali was a defender, was a protector, and was a helper. And so Job is saying, God is my protector. God is my defender. God is is my helper. And I don't know if you know that this morning, that God is the one protecting you when you go out. God is the one keeping you safe from the pandemic. It's not your mask. It's not how many times you, you sanitize yourself. It is God who's protecting you as you travel from home to your workplace. It is God who's keeping your family safe at night. Sometimes I forget to lock my, my own door, but I know because I have a redeemer, I know I have a protector, I'm safe. It is God who helps you when you don't know what to do. It is God who is there for you. And so Job is saying, he is the one I can trust, I can lean on. I wish I had a witness to tell God, God, praise your name for the fact that you are truly our redeemer. You're truly our protector. And the great, one of the great famous protectors and, and Gowalis in the Bible is Boaz. 
you know his story. This brother who is rich but he's old, a young sister from Moab called Ruth comes in. Her husband is dead, but she comes to the land, Bethlehem, a house of bread. She comes in there. She's supporting Naomi. Your God is my God, that type of thing, committed. And, and she does not have a family. She doesn't have an identity. And she's just in no man's land. Boaz didn't have to do this. He didn't have to marry her. He didn't have to accept a foreigner. But Boaz accepted her. He stood in for her and he embraced her. He said, you are mine. Though you come from a different place, I accept you. I embrace you. And this Gowali had to be a close relative. And you know how it is sometimes. Some of our own relatives, we don't even want them to come to our weddings. Some of our relatives are just relatives in name and in blood only but we don't consider them really really family because some of them are difficult some of them are hard to us we can't even have a conversation without arguing but I'm glad that we have a Gowali. We have a close representative. His name is Jesus and I love how the writer of Hebrews puts it. He says it like this. For, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same jesus christ was not forced to be a part of your family he 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 he, didn't, he, he was not forced he chose he became you and i's relative he, he took on our body. He took on our situation because he wants you and me to understand that he understands you and I. You and I don't have to tiptoe around Jesus. We don't have to feel ashamed when we committed a sin. We don't have to feel like he's going to uh, let us go or abandon us. I remember back in college, Elder Ray, when my, my, not in college, but in high school, when my father would come and pick me up in a, in a little red festiva. I would ask my dad to go around the back because I didn't want him. Uh, I didn't want my friends to see me in that car because it was not cool enough. And sometimes it is like that, that our own family members, we are ashamed of them. We don't want to claim them. But I'm glad this morning that Jesus can claim you and I. I'm glad that Jesus doesn't look at what you have done, but he looks at what you can be. <laughs> I'm glad that Jesus does not bring up a, a history, a, a history book or uh, uh, the points of the mistakes that you have made and bring them and throw them into your face. He says, you are mine and I embrace you. I accept you. And this morning, I don't know if Job was thinking about Jesus because we don't know right here. But I believe that Job gives us a perspective that we need to know that when we are going through struggle, when we don't understand, we need to know that God is there for us. He's going to protect us. And you and I need to be convinced this morning that Jesus Christ loves you and me so much that in your struggle, in your situation, he is going to be there right there for you because he understands your particular situation so job was convinced of the redeemer but job wasn't just convinced of the redeemer job was convinced of the reality of the redeemer it's one thing to know that there is a redeemer but it's another thing to know that the redeemer actually exists notice what job says for i know that my redeemer lives that is he is real that is he exists can you honestly say that you know that God exists trust me I have never seen God a day in my life 
I've never heard a voice from heaven speak to me audibly and tell me that God, hey Henry, I'm God. I've never heard that. I've never, I've never had somebody come up to me, hi Henry, I'm Jesus. Nice to meet you. I've never had that happen. Maybe you have had it. Praise the Lord for you. But I've never had that happen. And I believe that Job never had that happen to him. But Job was convinced that his redeemer was alive. And when he says, I know, he says for uncertainty. But how can you know something exists even though you have never seen it? Even though you have never been to a place. Some of you talk to me and you ask me about Africa. You talk to me about how it is. And the more I tell you about it, the more you listen to it, the more you're convinced, oh, actually it is, it, 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 it exists. So there is power in the ability to hear something. Because in the time of Job, please do not miss this. In the time of Job, they did not have the Bible to read about God. What they had was information that was handed down from one person to the next. And so Job was operating on the basis of what he had heard, not on the basis of what he has seen. And so when you begin reading the story of Job, you see a man that is dedicated to God. You see a man that fears God, but this is a man who has never seen God. But because of what he had heard, he's been convinced of what he had heard. He was worshiping God. And so even though you have never seen God, even though you have never agreed, God, you must, you, but by what you hear about God, you can know that he actually exists. Have you not noticed that there are people who date online, though they have never seen each other, but they believe that each other exists because there is communication going on. There is an exchange of information. And so if you have the right type of information, then it can form your devotion. When you know enough about God, when you understand enough about God, even though you have never seen God, you can live as if God does exist. And I'm wondering right here, because when Job tells his friends, I know my Redeemer lives, what happens at that particular moment is that Job had to make a decision. He says, I am not going to be confused by what my friends tell me about God. I'm not going to allow them to tell me that it is my pain that is uh, that is being caused by my sin. Nah, 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 nah. And so the point is this. You must come to a decision that I will not allow what I do not know to take away what I do, do know. I will not allow confusion to take away my conviction. And so there must come a time. And Job said to his friends, I believe. He said to them, you believe it that. You see it like that. But for me, I don't see it like that. One thing that I do know is that my Redeemer lives. And you and I need to come to a place where we make a decision about God. You just must decide that God, I believe in you. I trust in you. You're going to take care of me and I'm going to follow you. It just must be that decision that you make. There must just be a decision because when you make a decision, you are more certain. When you make a decision, it builds your conviction. So when you tell yourself, you know what? Every day when I go out the house, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to, to, to believe that God is going to protect me. I'm not, I'm not going to doubt that. And you go by that. Guess what? You will live in such certainty that when things are happening around you, you will not be shaken. And so because many of us, we are double-minded about God. 
Sometimes we believe in God. Sometimes we don't believe in him. Sometimes the prayers are being answered. Sometimes they're not answered. Because we go through different circumstances, we are on a swing set. Therefore, however the swing swings, that is what determines our faith. Some of us, if it's going good at the office, God is good. When it's bad, oh, God is bad. And so because we allow circumstances to change us, then it also changes the convictions and the certainties we have about God. But today I'm telling you, make a decision, stick with it and say, God, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to flow with you no matter what. Because you must be convinced of who God is, even though you do not understand what is going on. This is what I want you to take home with you today. That even if you don't understand, but you must be so convinced, you must be so committed to that, that it will not shake you no matter what. And so Job made a decision. Have you made a decision about God? Or are you still on the fray? I still want to know more about God. I still want him. I still want to figure him out. I don't understand him yet. You may never fully get to the place you understand God. None of us will get to the place where we fully understand him. But at least we know enough to say, you know what, God, I have decided for you and I'm going to go for you. So you must be convinced that he is the redeemer. You must be convinced that he is real. But last but not the least, you must be convinced about the return. That is, you must know that in whatever circumstance, in whatever situation, God is going to step in and come through for you. And so God says it like this. Job says it like this. For I know that my redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. Now, now you see right here when Job is talking, Job is thinking to himself, I'm in a terrible situation. Most likely I'm going to die. But one thing I know is that God is going to stand in for me. Job is saying God is going to vindicate me. That is God is going to show my friends that their assessments and their conclusions about me were wrong. They did not conclude my life correctly. So even though I may die, God is going to come through and step in for me. So I know that one time, I know that at the very end, the game, the, the, and I want you to see the end game language here. He says, I know at the last, I know at the last that he's going to stand in for me. And that's what you need to know this morning, that your end game with God is all right. He's going to vindicate you. There is a story about a preacher. His name is George Whitefield. Some friends were accusing him about things in his life and so he wrote a letter back to them this is what he said to them i hardly thank you for your letter as for what you and my other enemies are saying against me i know worse things about myself than you ever say about me with love in christ in other words when somebody is accusing you when somebody is trying to bring you down do not defend yourself no need to and so that is what job is actually doing in the passage he says i'm not going to defend myself anymore i'm going to allow god to defend me because god's opinion is more important than man's opinion Opinion. And that's what you and, my, you and I need to live for this morning. To understand that when we're in struggle, we're in difficulties. That those difficulties do not define us. 
Those difficulties do not declare our destiny. We should not allow those things to happen, but we need to allow God to step into our situation and actually make the correct assessment about us, not what people think and not what is going on around us. You know, there are times when you declare something and you do not know the, you do not know the, the weight of what you have said. Perhaps there have been people who have said, I'm going to be the CEO of a company. They said that, but most likely they probably were not thinking that it will happen, but it does happen. They're not only become a CEO of a company, but they own their own companies after companies. There are times when we say things and what we are saying actually is really big. And when Job says, I know my redeemer lives and he shall stand on the la- at the last on the earth, what he didn't know is that he was making a big declaration. And in reality, though he's thinking about God vindicating him, in reality, what he's saying, I know one day that God is going to return and actually stand right here. And he's actually going to free me. And I love how he says it in the next verses. And I just want to read those verses to you. He says it like this for And after my skin is destroyed, this I know. I'm convinced of this. He says, even when I die, I know this. I'm convinced of this. That in my flesh, I shall see God. He says, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Job is saying, I am looking forward to the return. I'm looking forward to the time when God is going to come back again. And I believe that right here, Job was thinking about, though he didn't know it, but what Job is actually saying, I can envision that Jesus is going to return again. That's not Job's assessment. It's my assessment. I can envision that when Jesus I shall return. I will be vindicated. All my struggles, all my situations, things that I've never understood, I'll be vindicated of that. I'll be free of that. And so when you think about your life, when you think about what's going on, do not only think about what's happening now. You need to think about what is going to happen about the return. That is, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to take us out, uh, out of this situation. Things are going to be better. One day, God is going to free me. God is going to release me. And I want you to understand that if you're in a difficult situation you need to be convinced that God is going to step in in your situation and help you out that God is going to step in your situation and vindicate you I don't know what you need to be vindicated of this morning, but God is coming. He may be coming at the second coming. Let me put it to you like that. I believe that. Not maybe. Yes, he's coming. But I believe that God does come through in our lives at certain times, and he just vindicates us. And somebody here needs to know that this morning, that I mean, I've been in struggle for a long time. It's been hard for a long time. But I'm here to tell you that God one day is going to come for your situation, and you will say, I have heard of you. But now, God, I see you because it's often in struggle that we get to see God better. And I believe that Job went through this because God wanted Job to see him better. And that is why you need to hold on to your convictions about God. Because when you hold on to them, God is going to open your eyes to see things a little bit better, better than, the, than than what you may have thought. And you begin to say, wow, God, you are really special, really unique. Nicole C. Mullen sings a song, For I Know My Redeemer Lives. And in, in that song, it's a beautiful song, but I just want to read you the chorus. She puts it like this. Who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? 
And who told the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? And whose words alone can catch a falling star? And she answers it in the chorus, well, I know my Redeemer lives. That's conviction. That's believing in who God is in spite of being confused about what's going on. You must be convinced that God will redeem you. You must be convinced that God is real. And you must be convinced that God will return. You must be convinced of these things. Because if you're convinced of these things, guess what? Your end game is it's not a problem. You have no need to worry about how it's going to end. Because you're just, you just know God in a certain particular way. Perhaps somebody here this morning needs to be convinced again. Needs to say, you know what, Lord? I've been shaky. I haven't been stable with you. I want to make a decision today to say, you know what, Lord, I will follow you. I will, I will do whatever you say. I, I, I just want you, God. Perhaps you need that conviction. You need that stability again. Things have shaken you up so much and you have lost faith. Today can be that day you say, well, you know what, Lord? Yeah, I, I want to be convinced again. Perhaps you are like, Lord, I have never been convinced. I've never really known you. I've never really understood you. And I want to study more about you. I want to get deeper with you. I want to get into Bible study and involved. I want to know who Jesus is. Today can be an opportunity where you start. Here at JCC and Facts Alive Ministry, we believe in teaching people about God. And we believe in teaching people about Jesus Christ. And today you can actually sign up. You can study with me. We have people that can help you out. And you can get to know God better. So today can be a day, you know what, Lord? I want to be convinced. Because the truth of the matter is this. You need to know who God is. You need to be convinced about who God is, even though you're confused about what's going on. Every head is bowed and every side of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that when we are com confused, we can still trust you and be convicted. And Father, we look at Job, a man who says, I know my Redeemer lives. Father, we want to be able to say the same thing, that our Redeemer lives. And I want to ask you, Heavenly Father, in a special way that you would speak to our situation and our circumstance. There's a lot of confusion going on sometimes. We don't always get it. We don't always understand it. But, Father, we are convinced that you love us and you're going to take care of us. Please, Lord, help us out and lead us forward. We want to be the best that we can be. And I want to pray for brother and sister right now who is in serious confusion that you clear up for them and bring in conviction. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your kindness. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love. I humbly pray and ask all of this in the wonderful and awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.